I know I've brought this up before, but you know, it's such a great verse. Let's go to Hebrews 13. You know, I, I, so I, I, um, as with everyone who was a part of it, um, missed the, the, the basement, the proximity of ourselves, the worshiping together in a, in a situation like that. Um, and it's coming, right? It's not that far away, but eventually we'll get there. Um, and I know, interestingly, too, there is a good chunk of people in the room who've never been in my basement for leadership, which is crazy to think about because it's been that we've got two generations now of leaders in here that haven't done that. And uh, I and you guys, we've talked about our area and different stuff with folks, but I feel like it's one of the things that uh, that really well represents who we are. Um, there aren't many leaderships it, that I know of, even ones that with people I know closely who would do leadership in the basement of a home, um, and or in the staff person's home. That's it's super uncommon for a staff person to have an office in their house. And just those kind of things are, are unique. And I think they're part, though, of our character. And I don't want to lose them. And so I have been concerned as we've been kind of upping the ante every week with leadership and this stuff. And, and it's great. And I'm, trust me, I'm not one. But I don't want us to not be able to worship with a guitar and close our eyes and just worship. Right? And... You know, it's a little easier when the music's so loud, and especially if you're, um, we are growing up now in a culture, because we didn't, we, people all the time, like, we used to talk about guitars at club and microphones at club and stuff like that. The rule was, if you didn't have more than 100 students, you didn't plug in anything. Like, that was for decades, as I was a leader, that was the rule of thumb, because you just didn't need it. Now, the problem is, is people now are growing up in such a culture of loud music, like loud stuff, like even in church, it's loud, it's loud. So you sing and you don't care as much because no one can hear you, right? Because everything's so loud. But in like that, you, got, you probably noticed, you were like, wow, if I sing loud, everyone will hear me singing loud. Or if my voice doesn't sound, like you were a little more self-conscious. And uh, I just want us to get not get too far from our roots. I want us to make sure we get back to that stuff. So we will occasionally, uh, I will occasionally uh, throw in a, let's just play a guitar and sing some songs kind of thing. I'm thinking we're gonna do a circle soon in here. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I think. Think we could do it? I think it would work if we got every chair against the wall. I think we would be close, right? I mean, there's almost a hundred of us total, but I think we could, I think we would fit. I, I'm I almost did it tonight, but I didn't want to too much on you guys at once, right? Too much change. So, so we're, we're going to get there, but all right, here's what I want to talk about tonight. I'm pretty excited about what we're talking about. The, uh, Hebrews 13, you guys have heard this. I've brought this up to you guys before. Starting in verse seven, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you, the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, 
and forever. Lord, I just pray for our time as we um, just reflect on a life well lived and we consider our goal, our future. So I love this scripture because it talks about not just remembering your leaders or remembering people who have gone before you, but the second verse, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday day, is saying the same God that served your leader, the same God that served others before you, is your God. And I think we get forget that too often. I want to talk about Brother Andrew a little bit tonight. Um, you guys, how many of you guys, when I say Brother Andrew, you immediately know who I'm talking about? A few. So Brother Andrew, um, this is his book about his life. Um, the first book, this was written a long time ago, back in the late 60s. It's called God's Smuggler. And it was a huge impact on my life when I read it. Um, back when I was in my late college years, it really influenced me. Um, you know, Brother Andrew, basically, his journey started where he was smuggling Bibles. He lived in Holland, and he smuggling Bibles from where he lived into communist countries. And back in, you know, the 50s, 60s, and 70s, uh, communist countries were super militant, super closed, right? You couldn't just cross any, a border into a communist country, um, very militarized, right? And they were super against God. Like it was a, the state religion was you don't have, there is no religion and we don't want any of that in here. And so Bibles were illegal as they are still today in a lot of uh, Muslim countries, a lot of um, countries in the 1040 window. But in those countries in those days, the Bibles were illegal. And Brother Andrew, so he's a young guy in Holland, comes to the Lord, um, decides that he wants to find out what's going on in these communist countries with Christianity, with the Bible. What are they? Are there people who are Christians in those countries even? So he basically takes a, a secret trip into a communist country to try to find some Christians. And he ends up finding some Christians, and he ends up finding out that they have lots of needs, these little pockets of underground churches that are going on, but their biggest one is Bibles. They don't have any Bibles. And so he starts smuggling Bibles into these communist countries. I mean, he might have, he's pretty famous for his famous prayer that he said, to, you know, one of his first times that he was smuggling Bibles and he's at the checkpoint and the officers start coming to check his car because they didn't check every car and he just got caught and they're checking his car, opening his trunk, going through his luggage, going through everything. And he is praying, Lord, you've made blind eyes see, please make seeing eyes blind. And that was his prayer. And he kept praying that over and over again. You made blind eyes see, please make seeing eyes blind. And, you know, it's miraculous. You know, he's like, he's got hundreds of Bibles in his car and they didn't see one. Or they, they, he's like, they opened and looked right at him, but they didn't see him. And, you know, so he had some very miraculous, really, really cool experiences when he was doing this. He continues to smuggle Bibles and meet with Christian churches, underground Christian churches in all these communist countries. And he's just doing it by himself. He's taking people with him, whatever other Christians would ride along with him. 
He's from Holland. So does anybody know another famous Christian from Holland? Yeah, Corey Ten Boom. The picture. Yeah. In the book right there. Oh, is there a picture of them together? Yeah. So Corey Ten Boom ends up, she gets to know Brother Andrew, and she goes on a ton of these secret missions with him. If you can even imagine Corey Ten Boom and this guy, Brother Andrew, uh, the kind of younger guy, and, and they're just secretly driving into these things, trying not to look conspicuous, smuggling Bibles into all these countries. Corey Ten Boom goes on a lot of the journeys with him. Um, when, the, when the wall fell, the communist country wall fell, uh, Brother Andrew um, basically was already doing this, but he was shifting his focus to Muslim countries and to China, to the countries in the East, because they were having the same uh, trouble where underground churches were being severely persecuted and they weren't able to get Bibles, they weren't able to get that kind of stuff. So he starts really moving into... His ministry shifts into that because the communist wall fell. And you guys, most of you aren't even very familiar with that kind of world that we lived in back in the 70s and 80s where communism was the, the big enemy of the world or the way that we were thought to think. But uh, that kind of fell away, right? And now he has spent since then the next however many years of his life going to the persecuted church or churches, underground churches in countries in the 1040 window where it's very illegal to have a Bible or very illegal to be a Christian. And he finds out what they need, which is usually Bibles, and he's trying to get those things to them. Um, how many of you guys have read the, uh, there's a great book called Light Force, which is the beginning of that journey for him. There's other books about his life as well. But uh, Heavenly Man, Brother Young, some of you guys have seen that, heard or seen that book. You guys can need to read more biographies. You guys are not raising your hand for these biographies. So Brother Yun, the Heavenly Man book, there's a scene in that book where he, as part of the Chinese church, the underground church, where he talks about uh, a bunch of crates floating onto the shore that were full of Bibles. And they were wet, but they were able to salvage and use fire to kind of dry out all these Bibles. And he said there were hundreds of thousands of these Bibles that floated on shore. That uh, mission was Brother Andrew and his group. He formed, eventually an organization formed around him called Open Doors. And Open Doors ended up, they got as close as they could to the Chinese coast and they started getting in trouble. They, weren't, they had to turn around. So instead of docking and going up to the shore, they literally threw all the crates overboard. And it was a million Bibles. Literally, they had a million Bibles. They threw them in Chinese. They threw them all overboard. And these, so a million Bibles just washed up on the shore. Brother Yun, in his book, if you read Heavenly Man, talks about, he doesn't talk about Brother Andrew, but he talks about that scene when all those Bibles washed up on shore. And that was Brother Andrew and the, uh, those guys. So pretty cool kind of connection with that stuff. Open Doors, his organization now is obviously a lot is bigger, but doing the same thing. He is continuing to live boldly doing what God has called him to do. He has been able to finagle meetings with the leading terrorists, including, you know, if you, you name a terrorist group, he has gone and met with them, trying to talk to them, trying to find ways to get the Bible, to get resources, to find people in the church. If you guys know Arafat, you guys, he's a pretty famous guy in that part of the world. Um, you know, he met with Arafat and talked to him and 
uh, again, trying to do everything he could in these countries to try to help the Christian church. And I think, so this, is, this guy, pretty cool guy, here's the thing that I think is most important and why I want to bring this up. I, we're going to watch a short interview with him from when he's 87, okay? And this is from five years ago. And uh, I, I realize it, it, the video and listening to him talk after, you know, 25 years, 30 years ago, reading his book, and being impacted by his life and his boldness. And watching the video and listening to him talk was unbelievably inspirational from a standpoint of me feeling the conviction of, oh Lord, I want to finish well. And I want to be, um, I don't want to lose sight of who I want to be when I'm 87 years old. And I know it's super hard for you guys to even think that way, but you gotta think that way. If you wanna be a powerful woman of prayer who knows and loves God's word and is a beacon of light to all that you come across with truth coming out of you, you have to want and see that now for 50 years from now to become that person because you won't become that person overnight. You will not. You don't wake up. If you wait until you're 86 years old to try to become like that person who's 87, it's not going to happen. You guys see the point that like, and this is the big trick of the devil. We get so caught up in our life now and so many things that are important. And so memorizing scripture, saturating ourselves in prayer, being in God's work, going out and boldly preaching the message, taking risks, doing things that might cost us a lot of sacrifice, money or this or that, we avoid now because in the short term, it's hard. But if we thought about who we wanted to be when we're 65, when we're 85, that would change a lot, right? Because then we're thinking, okay, I'll never get to be that person or be like that if I don't take the steps now to get there, right? And so when I watched that, I found myself super convicted about wanting to, I, I prayed often, and I watched the video probably three or four times. Um, I've actually chopped it, uh, well, I didn't edit it, Bosma edited it, but uh, we chopped it up so it's shorter, but, um, I watched it probably four or five times. And I don't watch things like that often, but every time I watched it, I just kept praying, Lord, how do I get from this mess to that? Like, how do I get from here to there? And I, and I don't want to, if I can't, I gotta keep that before me, right? You have to keep that up there and out there because if you just react to what's happening right in front of you, it, you're gonna take a different direction. Right? Um, you know, my leader used to be all into that kind of stuff, and he'd always say, if you aim at nothing, you will hit nothing. I mean, that was his big cliche that he loved to say. 
Reggie, if you aim at nothing, you're gonna hit nothing. You know, like he, he's basically his point was saying, you gotta have a direction that you're heading in and where you wanna be and where you wanna go. And so we're gonna watch this interview. Well, here's what I want you to do. I passed out this paper. I just went and wrote down like a ton of the favorite, it's on the front and back, a ton of quotes of things he says that I loved, right? And there's a ton here. I want you guys, okay, as you're going through this, and we're gonna break into some groups and maybe discuss it, I want you guys to underline or circle your favorites, or if you hear something that's not on here, it's in order, so you won't, you know, if you are looking for something and you're getting lost, it's in order, so you should be all right. But if you hear something else that you like, that's why there's some space in between each one, write that down too, because, you know, uh, one of the things that I've been convicted about after listening to him also was the importance of listening to a, a life well lived. I mean, here's a guy who's 87 years old, 87, and he's talking about he just got back from Pakistan, which is not a good country. It's not an easy country to be in. And he just got back from Pakistan. And he talk talks a little bit about that. I mean, he's... I hope when I'm 87, I'm still going somewhere like that, right? And I hope you hope when you're 87, you're still going somewhere. But if you stop going places now, you'll never be going somewhere then. That's why we have to keep that. Who do I really want to be when I'm at the end? Where do I want myself to be? Who do I want myself to be? So let's watch that. You got this. You got a pen. Write down any quotes you like. Circle or star your favorite ones as you hear them as he says them. Hopefully it won't be too hard to understand because he does have a nice little accent going, so you're going to have to kind of concentrate as you listen. But if anything, I hope you get a flavor of uh, uh, he's a really, he clearly is a got a great heart for the Lord. That's really fun to see. So, Hello, everyone, and welcome to the special webcast with Brother Andrew. I'm David Curry, CEO of Open Doors USA. And it's just an honor to be here today with, with Andrew. And we want to have a chance for you really to, to get your questions answered. That's why we took questions. And we're going to be going through some of the questions that people have sent in or that we've, we've thought of that you'd want to ask Andrew. Many people know Andrew from his famous book, God's Smuggler, which uh, was written years ago and has sold millions of copies. And, and Andrew, let's start with just the very basics. Why, how do people know you as Brother Andrew? That's not your name. And I think a lot of people have assumed that, that you have, have used different names, the covert nature of what you did as a smuggler. How did that all come about that you were known as Brother Andrew? Well, that, that was not really planned. I, I do know that when I started to work on God Smuggler with the Shadows in Chappaqua, New York, that... Uh, we, we had to change my, my name. And uh, the, the shadows then thought, well, make it Andrew Vanderbilt. Well, I didn't mind Andrew, but Vanderbilt, that was a bridge too far. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but the name Andrew stuck, and we just uh, decided we make it Andrew. Yes. Now, the book, we're, we, if, if you haven't read the book, you certainly need to get it and read it. Um, yeah. But... Talk a little bit about how you were called into this, into this very dangerous work of smuggling Bibles. It wasn't, it wasn't a denomination that sent you. It was really just God's calling, right? Absolutely. But it, 
the first trip was so secret that even the mission I was training with at that time, the WEC, I did not tell them. I didn't tell anybody. The only one who knew was Uncle Hoppy. You read about him in my book. He lent me his camera, and I took pictures there, and I never handled the, handled the camera, but that turned all out well. So then I gave the camera back. But uh, the beginning was very small, not planned, and never planned to go back, mm. just that once. Because in the Bible school, we had had visiting missionaries from all over the world, and never one from the communist world. And I wondered what's, what's wrong. There's worldwide evangelization crusade, but they really talk about half the world. What's happening in the other half? Why don't we know anything? So I just went on my own to hopefully find out, and what I found out changed my life. What, what did you find out? I mean, what was it that you saw that changed your life? Well, first of all, I still found churches op in operation, uh, Baptist churches, Methodist churches, these were the first I found, and a Bible society, to my surprise, in Poland. But then later I learned that that was the only Bible society in the entire communistic world. So I had to find out what the truth is. And my contacts with the Bible society people still goes on till today and uh, from all the 60 years. And, and uh, our work has developed because he told me stories about people in the Soviet Union that have no Bibles, he said. Andrew, they come to my Bible shop, unbelievers, they buy, they buy 10 Russian Bibles, they smuggle them across the border, sell them on the black market with that money to buy a brand new motorbike, smuggle it back into Poland and, and sell it for 25,000. Well, that's a good business. If, <laughs> if, if unbelievers do it, where is our willingness to take any risk but do it for free? And that, that, that slowly idea. that idea came that we had to do something. Well, I mean, the, the obvious question, both from God's Smuggler, the book, from the story you just told us, are you not scared? Where do you get your courage to meet with the leaders of the Taliban, to go behind the Iron Curtain? Because the KGB and these people were tracking you. Where does this courage come from? No, that is not courage. They call it Dutch courage. No, <laughs> that's, that's wrong. I don't drink. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's what Jesus told the disciples to, to do into all the world. Go share the news with, with everyone. But you have to take initiative. You must go. Don't wait for persecution. Don't wait for even for a call. Do it out of obedience and see how... God is with you, then who can be against you? He who spared not his only son, but gave him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things, including that guts that you talk? It's, it's nonsense to talk about guts. I think we should be afraid not to do it. Wow. wow. That's amazing. But let me go a little deeper. Oh. Your, your personal life, in your personal life, the power of prayer to give you insight, the power of prayer to help you stand up and say in front of this, this, this room full of fighters, room full of ex what people will know as extremists, what is it in your prayer life, in your devotional life that, that has brought you to a place where you see it that way? I think that 
that is a difficult question because the answer is so easy. Uh, everyone is called upon to develop his own spiritual life. And, and I hate to talk about myself, but, but every morning when I open the scriptures and when I have my devotional time, I get up early just for that every morning of my life. And it takes me about two hours because I want to have those two hours on without telephone interruption that usually begins at nine o'clock in Holland. But I want a good start. And if it is for no one else, I needed to maintain my spiritual life to, to make my prayer life more vital and, and dynamic and, and to be prepared for whoever comes into my office. I have a very strange office. It's called open doors. That means, don't tell that anybody, the door of my office is always open. <laughs> and uh, that means that when I'm in my office, sometimes a guy comes in and I think, who in the world did he, how, how did he get in here? <laughs> but, but the door is open. I shouldn't be surprised. And uh, I want my heart to be as open as my door mm. and, and make that a simple principle. But that means that you can walk. I did recently in my hometown. It's a very Christian, very Christian town. But we have 40 homeless people already in that little town. And they're not the most stupid people. And, and I was walking one of the busy um, streets there, shopping streets, and. Uh, a man sat there, a homeless guy, and he looked at me. He said, I know you. Well, no, there are more people <laughs> who know me than the other way around. But I said, OK. So I sat next to him. And uh, within 10 minutes, we were singing gospel songs together. Mm. Wow. Because that was his background. But now he was a homeless man. And, and why is our heart not going out to? to these people. And if we have no eye for the lost around us, how can we then ever have God's love for the people far away? Because nobody ever becomes a missionary by crossing the ocean. You are here a missionary or you're not a missionary. And, and that's the, yeah. the marvelous thing about simple and uh, obedient follower of Jesus. It's fun. Uh, and and you, you get to know another side of people. And also, you're not afraid of people because yeah. they have a problem and I have the answer. It yes. makes me cry to think of it. Yes. What am I doing with that answer? Yeah. God, have mercy. I remember yesterday that little baby, only three weeks old or so. Yes. And I, I kissed him on his forehead. Was it him or her? I don't even know. Yeah, Ruby. Mm -hmm. Oh, Ruby. That's yes. he. Ruby's a little, a little baby girl that you prayed for as one of our staff girl. members. Yeah. But, but I pray that, that God may use this life as we surround it with prayer to shake the world. Mm. Why not? We had Corrie ten Boom, known to many. I've been her chairman, by the way, for 25 years. We were very close friends. We, we were all over the world together. And uh, God can use a woman. He did in the Bible. He did, he does, Gladys Aylward was a good friend of mine in Asia and in China. Uh, Catherine Kuhlman, you name them. God has a great plan for, for all of you. And, and don't let the men stay behind or lag behind because 
the girls have more guts. Come on, let's do it. You've met a lot of characters. On the other, on the other hand, you've met some martyrs in your lifetime, people who've yeah. been lost for the faith. Certainly your life has been in danger a few times. Um, what martyrs have inspired you, or, or in what way have they inspired you? Uh, they have... Their case has taught me to press on, because death is not the end. Martyrdom is an honor, and, 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 and if we go that way, you read the New Testament, I'm now in the Acts again. Uh, it's, it's an honor. It, it's like, like Stephen, when he was, he was killed for his faith, the first martyr, and was it Stephanus now? Yeah, I, I forget those names now. But then it said, and, and, and he saw Jesus standing and the Bible always says that Jesus sits at the right hand of God. But boy, when somebody dies for him, he stands up. And I think he stretches out his arms and says, welcome here. Wow. And, and, and this is the spirit that we are lacking. Don't volunteer for martyrdom, but, but don't avoid it either when you can. The Muslims thrive on it because they get at least 70 virgins uh, per person when they get to paradise. Uh, they must run out of virgins by now. <laughs> but uh, we, 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 have, we have him, and, and that's the great attraction. And he is standing up, waiting for us to welcome us. I think, I think this is a great life. Yeah. Well, you, you've, we've heard a little bit of, of your vision, and, it, and I would say that you've been what I would call a prophetic voice in your ministry and that you've spoken hard truths to the body of Christ yeah. from the very beginning when you said we're reaching half the world but not the other yeah, half, that absolutely. whole idea. Looking, looking at the future, looking at the world now and, and what, what is God telling you about the, about the future of the church, about you know, the prophetic message to the body of Christ? Well, hold on now, Dave. Uh, I just came back very recently from Pakistan. Pakistan is a very explosive country. I don't know how much longer they will stand it, but it can explode any time. A lot of persecution. Last Sunday, two churches were blown up, a Catholic and a Protestant church, 14 killed, scores wounded. And when I come back from that country, then I have more hope for that church than for the church in America. Really? Because we have not been forced to count the cost. Hmm. It's still easygoing, it's still popular to be a Christian. And there I was with my friend, the Bishop of Peshawar, where in one night, 126 of his church members were killed. And, and he is still standing strong. He had a memorial service a few weeks ago and close to 10,000 people turned up for the memorial service mm. in spite of the pressure there. And when a church is still holding on, not really growing, maybe it is, but God knows, then I know that will grow stronger. Our church, and I count Holland with that, and your church, America, we need backbone. 
just sheer backbone. And that is the only reason why the Lions did not eat Daniel. He was the only backbone, that guy. <laughs> and uh, we, we get, you know, roly-poly and, ah, come on. <laughs> yeah. what, what are some of the people, notable people you've interacted with that, that we would know? Talk a little bit a about... Hike, for instance. Yeah, talk about maybe your interaction with Arafat. Uh, is yeah, that somebody you... That's not a good example because he was a compromiser. He had, in his little pocket here, he had a, a crucifix and, 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 and a Muslim symbol and, and, and the Ankh, the, uh, the Egyptian symbol. And, and, and if you would ask him, Mr. Arafat, how come you always escape when the, they try to assassinate you or blow up your plane? And if, if he knew you were a Christian, he would pull out a little cross, he said, this is my secret. Hmm. Uh, we don't need compromises. There's only one name, there's one hope, there's one future. Don't keep uh, alternatives ready for whatever bad day. Uh, blessed are the radicals. And in heaven, there's one thing we'll never be sorry about, that is that we have been too radical here on earth. Yeah. So make sure that we're not sorry when we get there. Yeah. We should be we should be taking risk. We should be being yeah. radical for Jesus. Yeah, but we say, be careful. Don't say that. Take risk. You should say. Yeah, yeah. We say that in open doors. And what we do we do say that because you say that we say that. But, but not just on the freeway when you yes when you not, go speeding. You have to take risk there, but 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 that's the wrong risk. There is a risk for Jesus, and that that's great. And then we're surrounded. You said we, I have many uh, books in my office. One side is only Bibles from uh, over a thousand Bibles from Afrikaans to Zulu in alphabetical order. And the other side is only biographies, well over a thousand different biographies, because I want to know what God can do in a life that is fully dedicated to him. Mm -hmm. So I'm devouring biographies. And people say, now what are you reading? I can't even name them, but if it's a biography, I get hold of it. I want to know the secret. I want to learn, and uh, that's that's why I only have two kinds of books in my office. Yeah, it's biographies and Bible. Yeah, <laughs> BB. Awesome. Yeah, that's wonderful. Talk about, um, have you ever been held prisoner? Have you ever been held captive? I mean, all of those times into the Soviet Union, into these into these areas, have you ever been held? Well, I've been pretty close, yeah. Uh, I've been, uh, we, my wife and I have been arrested in some in a very wild area in Saudi Arabia on our way to Yemen on the first trip. And it was obviously a tribe that was not even subjected to the government yet. And they had a, a, a bonfire there in the desert and tree trunks, and they dragged us off the old beat up uh, Land Rover that was going to take us to Yemen. And they were made, made me sit down with terrible threats. Don't move, you know, and they made us those gestures. My wife, they let roam around free because a woman uh, they will not take uh, as a Muslim fundamentalist. They may do that later, but not in the first encounter. And so Corey moved around, and boy, I got so proud of her. I heard her bless all these people. Mm. She put the name of Jesus on all those terrorists. And it probably took a couple of hours, and they got so totally confused, poor guys, that they said, 
get out of here. I didn't wait for a second command. <laughs> we almost ran to the, to the Land Rover and the only, one, the only one really worried was the driver because I said I would only pay you after you deliver me in the hospital, in the mission hospital in, in, in Yemen. Hmm. Well, he almost missed his 700 bucks, so he, he, he was scared, but we were not scared. Uh, the, the, the peace and the rest that Jesus gives, that, that is just amazing. But again, only in connection to the source of all living, the one who makes you strong, the one who is in you, the one who is with you, the one who leads you, and, and, and then, then there is no fear. Yeah. No. So you can go on YouTube if you want to watch the whole interview and stuff. Um, but that's some of the best parts. So I want you guys to, uh, Hopefully you underlined or circled something or wrote down some quote that you really liked. With your teams, go ahead, and the chairs actually do come apart. If you want to do that, I'm totally great with it. Um, let's talk with your team, and I just want each person to share their favorite, one time share your favorite quote and why you liked it. Okay, so go ahead and do that, get with your teams. So, I hope that you guys, I hope that you got, um, at least a little bit of, you know, we were talking and I was, we were talking about how you could from just that short video kind of get the essence a little bit of who he was now, like his person, his personality. And I think there's something about someone, especially at his age, where he's just not putting up any more fronts, right? Just, there's just nothing that he's not saying that's not on his heart or who he is. Uh, even the fact that he has trouble remembering a lot of details helps you to understand that like you're kind of just, everything that's coming out of him is a picture of who he is. You know, it's like when he said, this is a great life and he's got this big smile, you're like, he really believes, like you don't doubt that he believes that at all. And I think that that's something that I hope that we, aspire to be people who have that kind of heart in the future, that we're looking forward to that kind of thing and keep it as a vision for where we're going. Because um, if you aim at nothing, you're gonna hit nothing. So you need to keep that picture of, of being a godly person of great depth um, out there. So uh, again, so I have a gift for you guys too. Raise your hand if you have read this book. High, raise your hand high. Okay, so good chunk of you guys. If you have not read this book, I got one for you. I don't get applause very often, that's really cool. So, your guys, uh, you guys are all communicating to me that your love language is gifts, so I guess I need to keep giving gifts to you guys. So you guys who raised your hand, please do not grab one. I hope there's enough left for everybody, but if there's not, I will get more. I just didn't want to overkill and have 30 extras kind of thing. So, so I will get more. If you have the book and have read it, or if you've read it, 
please don't grab one. But otherwise, if you've not read the book and you don't have one, please grab a book before you leave. Um, and I would strongly encourage you. I mean, when I'm 30 years ago, I read about, I think it was impactful. I read about Brother Andrew 30 years ago. And when I read the book, you're reading about him when he's in his 20s and 30s. So I feel like I knew him when he was young, right? Because I read that book and you get to know him and his, his wife and his family, and his, his mission and what he's doing. And he's young. He's like your guy, a lot of your guys' age. And I got to know him then. And then I hadn't had much contact or, you know, any kind of knowing what was going on in his life until now he's 87. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe the man of God that he has become through, you know, two hours of prayer, of devotion in the mornings and reading biographies and having his commitment to the word. Right. I mean, if you were to watch the rest of the video, the other parts of it, you know, he talks about. Uh, the book, he calls it the book, he always says the book, and he's talking about how the book is, is all and how important it is, and, and he's talking about how in the Muslim world, there's, he calls it the battle of the books, because he's talking about our book versus you know, their book, and he's talking about what the you know, stuff with the Quran and all that. So strongly encourage you guys, read the book, also encourage you guys to go and watch the rest of the video if you have a chance or want to do that. So let me pray. Jesus, thank you for uh, working in and through um, just a random, ordinary person in Holland, giving him the curiosity, just a little curiosity of what's going on in the communist countries with your people. Why, why is he not hearing anything about what's happening there? Thank you, Lord, for his courage to follow through with his curiosity to find some Christians in these communist countries and the snowball that uh, was created um, because of that. And thank you, Lord, for all that he and Open Doors has done to encourage the church around the world to bring Bibles to the brother Yuns of the world. Chinese underground Christians desperate for your word, memorizing entire pages of the Bible as they pass them around one page of the Bible for an entire village. And we're so thankful, Lord, that um, people like Brother Andrew are doing all that they can to get your word to them, knowing the power that it has and the importance of it. Lord, thank you for this model and example. A man uh, in his 80s still doing it, still going after the Lord, still going after your mission and your calling, still going to countries, dangerous or not, praying for terrorists, praying over them, a wife that partners and goes with them, and together they are doing your work, uh, not to glorify themselves, but to just bring glory to you. Thank you, Lord, for a life well-lived like that, that we get to get a, a, a glimpse of and a picture of. And pray for all of us that we would have a picture in our minds that's long-term. And this vision of who we want to be, missional, we want to be people of your word and prayer, people who know you deeply and help others to know you in a great and impactful ways. 
we all want to get there, Lord, that we would see that picture and that picture down the road, way down the road, would motivate us to take the steps today that we need to take to, to get there. Thank you, Jesus, uh, for your grace and mercy. Thank you for calling us home and giving us such great purpose. And we're just thankful to you, Lord, for all this. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Mm -hmm.